0: Get thee to a homeschool speech tournament because it's just so exciting and uplifting to hear not just the eloquence and the mastery of the presenters, the competitors, but also the content.
1: Hello and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois Well, good morning, Andrew.
0: Good morning, Julie.
1: This is one of those interesting, somewhat awkward podcasts because we're not in the same room, so I can say good morning to you, and you don't know that I'm done speaking to you.
0: Yeah, but I can see your pretty mug on the Skype screen.
1: Yes, and we're doing Skype today because we have a special guest that I wanted to have a conversation with, and this is Caitlin. Caitlin is an NCFCA champion. And several months ago, we had a conversation with Teresa Hudson, who was the NCFCA president, talking about the speech materials that we are now publishing on behalf of the NCFCA. And we said at that time, we'd love to talk to the speech champion. And she said, sure, absolutely. Well, here we are. So Caitlin is you're all done doing NCFCA. You're a recent high school graduate, which means you can't do speech anymore with the NCFCA, but you love both speaking and music. You were homeschooled and enjoy literature, expressing your ideas through writing. I'm kind of reading your bio here, and you have five younger siblings, and so no older brothers and sisters, so you're the oldest, which those of us that know what it's like to have an older sibling we know that you're the boss so we get that <laughs> i'm not an older sibling i'm one of the oldest but not the oldest and all these things that you're doing have culminated in you becoming the essentially the champion of ncfca speech so congratulations on that thank you very much
0: so you were the uh, sweepstakes winner what is what do you have to do to attain that position the sweepstakes winner
2: I think the word that would encapsulate what sweepstakes means is consistency. In order to win sweepstakes at a qualifier and regionals, much less nationals, you have to be consistent throughout the whole season in all of your events. It doesn't mean that you have to win every single event at every tournament, but that you have to place high enough in everything you compete in that you have enough cumulative points to secure that sweepstakes title.
0: And you have to compete in a number of events. What were the ones that you did in your last season here?
2: Absolutely. The most events you can compete in at any time is five. This year I had six events, and the five that I took to nationals were the limited preparation events, all three of those that NCFCA offers, and then two platform events, which were biographical narrative and informative.
0: Okay. And the the limited prep events, can you uh, refresh us on what those are?
2: Absolutely. So, NCFCA offers three different limited preparation events, and they're some of my favorite to compete in. Extemporaneous gives you about 20 minutes to prepare a seven-minute speech that's answering questions about the news and current events. Impromptu is where you get a word or an abstract phrase, and you get to give a five-minute speech after just two minutes of preparing on that topic. And then apologetics is really the heart of NCFCA's mission statement, which is preparing to give a defense for your faith, and apologetic speakers will give six-minute speeches after four minutes of preparation, and they draw from a list of about a hundred topics that deal with various aspects of the biblical worldview and our faith.
0: Wow. So with impromptu, it's just you and your brain and what you carry around in it. With apologetics, you get to use uh, a little note card box, I believe?
2: Yes. Whatever research you've done ahead of time.
0: And then with, uh, um, with extemp, you have access to a collection of current event articles that you've collected up in preparation for the competition?
2: Yes, whatever offline articles you have from a variety of news sources on your computer, you can access during that prep time to give credibility to your source. And oftentimes with extemp, you will have never heard of the topic that they're asking because sometimes there's really obscure questions.
0: <laughs> yes, I've, I've actually judged all those events And I'd have to say my favorite to judge is extemp, just because I think it has certain challenges that are, you know, very unique and very beneficial. Apologetics, of course, is always very interesting. What's your favorite one? If you had to pick one of the five, what would you say was the number one favorite for you most of the time?
2: I think my favorite speech event throughout all the years I competed was apologetics, because... As I grew older, I'd spent a lot more time studying the topics, so I became very familiar with them. But at the same time, I was constantly able to memorize more scripture verses, to refresh my introductions, to add more powerful quotes for my conclusions, and just make the speeches more engaging. And I loved both the familiarity and the challenge that apologetics continually offered while I was getting to learn about my faith.
0: Oh, beautiful. So how did you first get going in Speak? and were you enthusiastic at the get-go or were you on the reluctant side or how'd that whole thing come down for you?
2: Well, when I was about seven or eight years old, My local homeschool group had a speech club, and we called it Cow Club for Christ Oral Witness. And so I competed in that with my friends, just learning how to give 30-second product reviews from the time I was about 7 or 8 to when I was 12. And then my speech coach said we were going to set a deadline of a competition because that would give us an incentive to work hard. And I had no idea what a speech competition was. I just knew I was about to write and memorize a 10-minute speech, and so I went to one qualifier that year when I was 12 And I was amazed that such an organization even existed. And then, of course, the rest is history. I was hooked. I got involved, and I competed regularly for the five years after that.
0: Wow. And that was all in your home state of North Carolina? And yes. one of the things that I am always sharing with people I, I was kinda in and out of the speech and debate world for ten years is some of my kids did it more, some less, and then now I'm timed out. I don't have any more children that age. So I'm I'm anxiously awaiting eight years from now. My grandson <laughs> Will be twelve, and I can take him to speech tournaments. But one of the things that struck me, and still does, and one thing, one reason I am constantly encouraging people to look into this with their uh, homeschooled teenagers is the culture, the turna- the club, and in particular the tournament culture. It seems to me like kind of the ultimate youth group where like everyone is actually trying to be their best and get better and be like the cool people who are really, really good and sometimes very respectful and devout rather than kind of a a youth group where it's easy for people to sink down to the lowest common level of behavior and attitude. How did you find the culture of tournaments and the world that you stepped into?
2: Well, I think there's two sides to that. It can be honestly intimidating, I experienced it when I was 13 and 14. To walk into a tournament, if you don't know many people, it takes a while to build friendships, to build relationships. And so with that, it becomes incredibly important that the older and more experienced competitors are reaching out to the new people. And when they do that, you definitely find encouragement and connections. And so I got to experience both sides of that. And as I grew older, some of the people I met when I was younger really did become my closest friends, the people that I sought to hang out with outside of tournaments, the people I shared prayer requests with. But at the same time, we knew that it was then our job to bring in the 13 and 14-year-olds who maybe didn't have a club and help help them get to meet people, encourage them, pray for them in the hall, and things like
1: that.
0: Oh, well, that's beautiful. So what
1: you're, what you're describing, Caitlin, is really the olders were mentoring the youngers. I love that.
2: Yes, and certainly it's not something that we always did perfectly. One of my biggest (laughs) regrets from competing in the NCFCA was not starting to take opportunities to invest in new and younger competitors sooner. It was something I kind of realized my senior year, wow, I don't have much time left. I need to make an impact. And so that's definitely one of the most important things, though, that I learned as I grew older.
0: So we may have uh, some listeners who are already involved in speech and debate, some who are perhaps um, anxious or looking forward to doing that, some that are kind of skeptical. They've heard rumors like, it will eat up all your time. Uh, And some who maybe know, know nothing. What would you say to the family who's kind of on the fence? They they're not sure. They're maybe afraid of the, the time or the cost or the travel commitment, or maybe they don't necessarily have a, a club that is going to make it easy for them to get in and do it. What what would you suggest uh, in terms of helping them learn enough to make a good decision?
2: Well, I believe there's really two things to that. First is even if you don't have a local club, there are an incredible amount of resources that you can find, as you mentioned IEW partnering with the NCFCA, there's curriculum, there's people to reach out to, there are clubs you can affiliate with, there's even some online clubs. My debate club this past year was an online one because I didn't have one in my area. So having a local club definitely shouldn't be the thing that keeps you from competing with the NCFCA in speech and debate. But then the other thing is really flexibility, because the NCFCA doesn't require that you go to seven tournaments, which is what I did this year. And to be frank, it was exhausting. It was expensive. It was very time consuming. But it was the choice that my family made for this particular season. Other seasons, we chose to attend only the tournaments within two hours of my home. And we packed our own food so that we could save on costs for that. And so it's very flexible.
0: And I always say, you know, if you're feeling a little low on hope for the future, bad news comes down the pike, there's a presidential election, things that kind of depress you, get thee to a homeschool speech tournament because it's just so exciting and uplifting to hear not just the eloquence and the mastery of the presenters, the competitors, but also the content. I've been in speeches where you know, I I laughed, I cried, I was shocked, I couldn't believe I didn't know about that thing happening over there. What are some of the most remarkable things that you've learned and presented about or, or heard some of your peers talk about in the last few years?
2: It's interesting that you ask that because As I was a competitor that competed in five speech events, and then this past year I added moot court and debate, I honestly never really had much time to watch my peers' speeches. So normally if I heard about a speech, it would be because my mom was telling me, oh, I learned this today, or I discussed this but I can speak to some of the things that I got to write about in my speeches just within this past season that were impactful for me. You mentioned the presidential election and I chose to do my persuasive speech this year on how Christians should respond to the news. I looked at some examples in foreign policy and economics and explained how we can approach news events from a biblical worldview and then offered some suggestions for how my fellow believers could do that. And that was really encouraging for me, especially in light of our political culture. And then I also got to give an informative speech on how Christians should approach the end and the issue of abortion. And I discussed how we often think about just fighting for the end of abortion without realizing that even if abortion came to an end, we would continue to need to mentor young mothers, to adopt children, to provide financial support. And that was a side of that issue that I'd never really considered until this past year, and it inspired me to write a speech about it. So those are two of the perspectives that I had the opportunity to deliver speeches on to parents throughout this
1: past season.
0: Oh, that's wonderful.
1: Andrew, I can't help but listen to Caitlin and wonder, hmm, can we get her out here and work for us? Because she is so articulate, so thoughtful, so winsome, and yet she's just graduated from high school. And I just think, parents, if you want your children to be prepared for the world, (laughs) whatever that equals, college or career, college and career readiness, Andrew, we had a conversation about that recently. And I think NCFCA is a great university of thinking and speaking and, and being winsome. You're very winsome, Caitlin. It's lovely to chat with you.
0: So um, I like the idea, Julie, but I would actually suggest that Caitlin could, could uh, perhaps be of tremendous service to some of the current occupants of the White House That's as a, a, speech, <laughs> a speech coach, because certainly <laughs> they're having some real issues, not just with, you know, basics of vocabulary and delivery, but content organization and integrity. So I don't know, Caitlin, if you've thought about uh, that, but uh, if you need a recommendation, uh, I'll, I'll put in my name to say, you know, you'd be a, a great person in that role. But I guess you probably have some plans of your own. What, what is coming up for you in these next couple of years?
2: If I I might speak to that, Mrs. Walker was just talking about being prepared for college and careers, and certainly my two largest passions right now are music and speaking. I've been a pianist since I was six and taught piano for a few years, so when I start my studies at Grove City College, actually in about three weeks from now, which it's a private liberal arts Christian school, I'm going to be entering as a piano performance major, but I'm hoping to almost immediately add a communications major to that because I certainly want to use my speaking skills far beyond the time that I had to compete with them in high school, and I'm going to do that by competing in collegiate forensics with parliamentary debate. But I'm also hoping to ultimately find a position in in the field of communications as a conference speaker. I think that I would be happiest doing advocacy work for a ministry or an organization where I might have the opportunity to travel and then speak on behalf of that organization. And so I'm trying to keep an open mind and heart as I enter Grove City this fall, but professional accompanying work as a pianist and then conference speaking are definitely the two avenues that I like to see myself in You know,
0: five years down the road. That would be so awesome because you could go and you know give your speech and then you could do a piano interlude between, you know, speakers. <laughs> and But I, I suspect, and I know Grove City is a, has got a pretty good reputation, I suspect you are going to blow some of your professors away when they see your, your experience and your writing skills and all that. Do you have a blog or anything? Do you, do you, have you started kind of a, a public forum for advocacy for those things you care about?
2: Well, before I answer that, if I might just share briefly, when I first went to Grove City College and interviewed for their trustee scholarship program, I found that the skills I learned in the NCFCA made a world of difference. The first thing we had to do was sit down with some professors at a dinner. It was a very formal setting, and we had to engage on intellectual topics, and the conversations were just so fluid because I was used to answering questions on the spot. The next day, we had to write a timed essay, and I found that impromptu the ability to come up with three points on a topic made writing those timed essays just absolutely seamless and then the group interview we were where we were asked to analyze you know the ethics of mandating vaccinations for infants it was very similar to extemp in the mm-hmm. sense that all of a sudden i had to come up with a position on a current issue and then articulate it to my peers and so the skills NCFCA left me with were absolutely critical. But with that, I have started a personal website. I actually just built it the other week, And I'm not a technology person, so it was rather daunting. But there I'm hoping to combine not only the things I'm learning from my academic pursuits at college, but also my private speech coaching services and then piano accompanying and teaching services. And I hope to see that blossom into a blog that will also contain the writings of the other things that I'm passionate about as the months and then the years unfold.
0: Well, I can't uh, think of a better person to recommend for... Private Speech Coaching Services. What, what is your website name?
2: Absolutely. It's just my, my own name, CaitlinButts.com.
0: Okay. Well, that's easy. I'm just so grateful that you took the time to join us today. And if people wanted to follow up with you on any of the things you've mentioned or look at where are you going to be teaching piano when you live in Grove? I guess you'll be in Grove City. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, how how could they get your services? Caitlin Butts, that's K-A-I-T-L-Y-N, two N's? One N. Just one N. K-I-T-L-Y-N-B-U-T-T-S dot com. Caitlin, I guess, you know, leave us with some last thoughts about what you feel is happening, say, in the world of home education, the world of speech and debate. Uh, is, it, is it growing? Are we seeing a greater excitement? Is it holding static? Uh, do we need to work harder to promote people lest it die under, you know, video games and iPhones?
2: Well, I can't speak to the actual numbers of competition over, you know, the past five to ten years, but I can say that in my own community, the homeschoolers that I interact with, speech and debate is nowhere close to dying. The conversations I've had with people who, you know, like myself, are the oldest of five, six, seven kids, their little siblings can't wait to compete. And so I think as long as the families continue to reach out to families who might not have heard of things like NCFCA or the Institute for Excellence in Writing, as long as they're having those conversations, and then saying, hey, look what my older sibling did. They went to such and such a college and they were prepared for this and they were able to do this internship. Look what speech and debate gave them. As long as we're having those conversations, I think that it'll continue to grow.
0: That's exciting. I want to be sure, if you don't have it already, that we send you the copy of the NCFCA speech program that uh, we worked so hard on with their leadership last year. And maybe that'll be something you can uh, let other people in your community know of And as you are uh, meeting and coaching uh, students over the coming years. So any last thoughts for us?
2: Well, I thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to share. And I would like to say to all of those who are just beginning speech and debate, who maybe find it intimidating to think about memorizing five speeches and going to seven tournaments, to remember that it's all about a journey, that you're going to start somewhere. And when I was 12 years old, I never even knew that sweepstakes champion was a thing. I was just memorizing a 10-minute speech that I was helped to write by my coach. And then it's all about a journey, a journey of character growth, a journey in competency, and ultimately a journey towards becoming more like Christ. And I'm very thankful that the NCFCA
1: helped me in all of those areas. Andrew, she is so inspiring. Are you sure we can't somehow snag her and get her out here? I guess.
0: think she has some pretty strong goals and direction <laughs> and I, w- I wouldn't want to mess with that but no, uh, <laughs> if she ever has an inclination to visit Tulsa I'm yeah. sure that we would be happy to uh... Uh, entertain her as best we can and who knows what might happen you know a few years down the road it is uh, very easy Julie isn't it to do a podcast with a champion public speaker (laughs) Uh, you don't really have to plan prepare think hard just throw a few questions and boom you sound great Caitlin thank you so (laughs) much for joining us
1: it's been a pleasure to get to know you better and we look forward to seeing what you are doing to change this world thank you very much